the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, I am Spud Goodman. Spud man. You have now landed on a radio show some have called Pretty Darn Neat. Full disclosure, it was my late mother who said this, but she was a tough critic, so I'll always cherish those kind words. Okay, now I need to acknowledge our new designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, She has graciously volunteered to fill in as our designated laugher due to the unfortunate uh, vocal fry condition of our prior laugher, Gina. We will miss her dearly. May she rest in peace. Well, I I guess she's still alive, but, I mean, you get the point anyway. So, um, Can I get a chuckle or something from you? Um, I'm not feeling it right now with uh, the laughing thing. uh, And if I have something to say... I'll jump in a little later. And I'm probably not going to like you, no matter how many pull-ups or push-ups you do. Well, you know, at least, you know, get the show started with a tiny sort of laugh or something. Something? Ha ha. Yeah, whatever. Okay, fine. I guess that's going to have to do. Now I need to state we have our temporary permanent co-host, Joel Holcomb, with us in the studio. You know, I could try and pretend you aren't here, but that would last a couple minutes, you know, and and you'd start whining. So just say something, get it over with. Thank you. Hey, everyone, how are you doing? Uh, We have a fine program for you tonight, so you sure don't want to change to another station for the next hour. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. I don't think you can threaten our listeners about... You know, changing to another station that could violate some FCC regulation. No, I don't know which one. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, our show is worth hanging around to enjoy. There's nothing out there that would violate any federal mandate I, that I'm I saying. I guess we're going to find out tomorrow, right? So, anyway, I also uh, need to introduce someone who is now a part of my life, okay? He's sitting uh, to my right here in the studio. Yeah. His name's Calvin. Go ahead and say hello to the listeners, man. Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, I invited Calvin to watch me do my show here in the studio, and I am his new big brother, and I'm very proud to say so. You don't have a little brother, Spud. It's just your older sister and you. No. Uh, oh, oh, am I okay in saying that? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, and I want to piggyback there. I, I had no idea you had a younger brother. Mmm. Oh, that is terrific. Yeah, how old are you, Calvin? Yeah, pardon me for saying this, as I know kids these days tend to look a lot older than their actual age, but you look like a grown man. I actually just turned 29 last week. Uh, uh, no, he's not my real little brother. You know, every you guys should know. Anyway, well, I signed up to volunteer at the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program, and and I was assigned to Calvin. It, it, you know, it's my first time being a Big Brother. Cause I just thought it was you know time to give something back to the community. How am I how am I doing so far as your Big Brother, Calvin? What do you uh, think? Pretty good. Okay. Can I get one of those sprites I seen in the fridge? Other. Yeah, earlier? not a problem. But just wait till the band starts playing though. 
Yeah, um, Spud, if I can state the obvious here, Calvin is a bit older than well, most kids in the Big Brother and Big Big yeah. Sisters program. Yeah. What's your name, scumbag? I, I was going to say the same thing. Well, duh, I mean, yeah. Okay, it's obvious there was a paperwork error here on their end, but okay. you know in life, sometimes the biggest screw-ups can lead to some great experiences. If they wouldn't have made this mistake, I never would have met Calvin. Yeah, I had pretty much given up on the Big Brothers program after all these years of not hearing from them. Ah, yeah, really, I bet you did. When my mom called me at my apartment and said Mr. Goodman was at her house uh, waiting to meet me, I was tripping. Yeah, well, your mom was so cool, I gotta say that. I mean, she could have just slammed the door in my face, you know, some dude saying he wanted to be the big brother to her now 29-year-old son, but she was so welcoming. Lauren, will you accept this for us? It made me dinner, actually. My mom's spaghetti is the bomb, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Okay, all right. Did, did either of you contact the Big Brothers program about the mix-up? I would bet they would have corrected this mistake. Yeah, yeah, I did speak to someone at their office about the mistake, but, you know, the more I thought of it, the more I felt I should just give it a chance. You know, and I just told them I was okay with it. You mm. know, I, I just knew I would love having a Big Brother at any age, okay? And, you know, it's working for me so far. You know, I was all for it. I mean, I waited 10 years. But it's still nice to have an old dude to hang out with. My friends have never paid for me to go to McDonald's or Boeing. I can see why this program is so popular. I think it was more than 10 years. Yeah. I think uh, your mom told me she signed up when you were like 14, so that's a few more years than that. I, I guess it was fate that brought you two together. Lauren, will you accept this for us? Am I supposed to laugh right now? I am still not sure about this designated laugher role. Uh, no, Aunt Dorothy, no need to laugh right now. But when I do say something like witty or funny, be ready. But right now, I need to introduce our musical guest, who I will be speaking with a little later in the program. Here are Brian Roaring and Lee Tillman from Prelude to a Pistol. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Nothing you can do. 
Then you go, you're lost again, just like the half shell of a man. Could you know what you're doing is wrong? Do you wanna live this way forever? Drift away just like a feather because of your own way. Let's not live life for nothing. Let's fight until the end. Give them some of that. Who's it gonna be when the lights go out and there's nothing you can do? Who's it gonna be when the lights go out and there's nothing you can do? This is the Spy Goodman Show. This is the Spy Goodman Show. Hey, this is Adam Carolla, and I'm on the Spud Goodman Show, but wait a minute. What? You're not listening to Spud Goodman? You wouldn't know about that. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe you'll listen because I'm on and then go back to not listening. Thank you. Hey, uh, Spud, your first guest, John Waters, is waiting to speak with you. Now, tell me again, who is John Waters? Uh, do you have a case of early onset of that memory thingy? Uh, he was on our show last year. Re- Really? It, yes. It, is he really famous or something? I'm not sure I know who he is. All right, I don't want to like really sound stupid when I do this <laughs> show today. Just the biggest cult film director in the world. Hmm. He's influenced so many independent filmmakers over the years. He's also made some big studio films like, you know, Crybaby and Hairspray, to name a couple. He's a best-selling author. The man is an icon. Yeah, all right, well, next year, if he comes back on the show, I will make sure to preview one of his movies before <laughs> he comes on. What would you recommend well i maybe start with multiple maniacs and of course pink flamingos oh okay that's pink flamingos i'm, pink I'm flamingos. writing i'm writing that down yeah okay. yeah and invite everyone in the holcomb clan and have a family movie night with that one but i wouldn't serve any food until it's over it's just a suggestion but put john on yo here he is Please welcome back to the show, director, screenwriter, author, producer, stand-up comedian, renowned art collector, and now officially proclaimed the people's pervert, Mr. John Waters. Thank you so much for coming back on our show. 
Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, let me get this out of the way. You're going to be appearing in Seattle on December 2nd at the Neptune Theater with a John Waters Christmas. Showtime is at 8 Yes, I've done it there for a couple of years, so it's like a homecoming. I look forward to it. Well, we love you up here. We love you. Um, but tickets are still available online. I want to let that uh, let everybody know that. And uh, as we're in other markets around the country, our listeners should check to see if you're going to be dropping in in their city, too. I want to say that, too, also. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm coming to 18 cities, so it's a chance that I might be there. <laughs> All right, super. Well, um, on, on a holiday uh, note, uh, do you feel like Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, is now more significant than Christmas in this country? It's now a pagan holiday. You know, it's kind of become rather sacred. To me, I never understood it. Why you would get up to go wait in line in a mall to try to buy one television they have on sale for a penny. I I never did it in my entire life. It sounded like hell to me. It sounded like the worst possible way to go shopping. Really? I'm with you on that one. I never figured it out myself. Well, No, I don't know. I thought it was just maybe people went and picked up other people or something. Maybe it was a sex thing. I I never knew what it was. Well, that's a nice angle to think about. All right. Well, moving away from the holiday deal, what is your take on celebrities showing off their jewelry and bling on social media? Should the world feel sorry for them after they're robbed of said bling? What do you think? Well, I guess you're talking about that woman that I have spent my whole life I don't know who she is. Yeah. So every time I see, I think she, her ass is funny, you know, but I don't know who she is. So I don't know what happened there because every time I see about her, I turn the page. I don't know why. She didn't do anything to me. She's perfectly fine. I don't hate, there's way more people that are way more horrible than her. But I just, for some reason, resist knowing who she is. So to me, I think bragging about how much jewelry you have is a stupid hair hopper trait, but I don't think you deserve to be robbed because of it. Yeah, I, no, I would totally agree. But my mom always told me not to shove my good fortune down other people's throats. That was just something. Well, you shouldn't. So that means that you grew up poor. It usually means that you, you know, it's not going to make up for what you didn't get. And, and real people that have money, are, they downplay it and they give it to other people and they're very humble about having it. Bragging and showing off your things is just a hair hopper. You're known as a hair hopper. Say, Spud. What? I'm not real sure what a hair hopper is, but I'm pretty sure that it's not you. I mean, given what God has blessed you with in the hair department. I don't think John is referring to an actual head of hair. It's a metaphor but for some. You think John here thinks you too are so full of yourself that you could Just be? Just zip a- it and let me get back to John, please. Sorry about that interruption. I'm back. Okay, though. Um. Well, let me move on to, to another uh, tabloid staple. Uh, what was the more, uh, more important in your eyes uh, as far as the development this past year? Brexit passing in the UK or the end of Brangelina as we know it, you know? Well, I'm a fan of both Brad and, um, and her, and I like them both. And right. I'm probably the only person that ever turned down Brad Pitt because when we were making Crybaby, he came in as a complete unknown when he had just gotten to Hollywood to read for the part of Johnny Depp's sidekick and he was wrong for the sidekick the sidekick had to be kind of quirky looking and but when he laughed we said whoever that was going to be the hugest movie star but we did turn him down so he always laughs when he sees me he's very nice to me and and she's always been lovely to me so i was sad they broke up i don't have any idea why it's not my business 
No, I know. It's just, it's you know, I've just noticed the development at the checkout line. At, you know, like at Safeway, the, the tabloid the headlines are just reading different. I just kind of miss it. But anyway. But it has, the headlines are the most ludicrous about the election that is, I guess, over now. But um, when I like it. I always like when the tabloids say someone weighs exactly 292 pounds. Well, how do they know that? Do they, do they have a secret spy that's hiding under your sink where, where the scale is? So when you jump on it, they take a picture? I mean, it's so hilarious. And they're that specific about how much someone weighs. Yeah, I know. Uh, the I don't, I don't think celebrities are allowed to gain weight. I kind of figured that out. You don't got to worry about that, I know. But no, I think a lot of the politicians what they don't realize is they all have on um, bulletproof um, vests underneath their outfits, so oh. that's why they look fatter. Well, I'll, I'll remember that. All right, super. Well, let, let me deal with a little bit of your early uh, history, like growing up in Baltimore. I read that you had an interest in puppets, and you put on some puppet shows, but I'm guessing they probably didn't end happily ever after, right? Well, they did in the beginning. All film directors were puppeteers. If you go back and you look at every film director, they always had puppets when they were young. And later in life, your actors always say to you, we are not your puppets, you know. But they are your puppets. I'm sorry. And um, I I, I think that my puppet shows in the beginning had Cinderella. But but later I did Punch and Judy. And I would violate at the end. The dragon would eat Punch. And then I I would violate the third wall because I'd come out from beyond the hand puppet stage and say to the kids if you stick your hand up the dragon will bite it for good luck and the great kids that went on to have great creative lives they did it the other kids would scream and cry and run into the other room so um, you could tell then which kid was going to be successful and creative Um, and I still got jobs the parents didn't mind that until I started to put fake blood in the shows and that's I got that no one hired me it was over fairly quickly but that's okay because then I started writing hideous horror stories summer camp and then the parents complained about the, to the camp and that started my career yeah it kind of worked out okay uh i, I was wondering if you're ever influenced by topo Gijo on the ed sullivan show Is that a, you know i know ed sullivan show was certainly very very important to me but not so much by by that but i know who you mean but i was more interested in the people that were on the show that were contortionists the people human pretzels that rolled around and stuff i thought they were especially freaky and i always tried to do that as a child and i actually could and still can Oh, wow. That's very cool. Well, the last time you were on, we discussed your best-selling book, Carsick, about hitchhiking from Baltimore to San Francisco. And I forgot to ask, did any of the drivers that you hitched a ride with have something so offensive on the radio that you had to ask them to turn it off like horrible music or a talk show radio show host that was horrible? Do you know that not one person that picked me up had on the radio? When you pick up a hitchhiker, you don't have the radio on because if you pick someone up, you expect to talk. Oh, wow. No one had the radio on and never turned it on, ever, in any ride I had the whole way. So that's a lot of awkward conversation, huh? No, they want to talk. If you pick, you know, and then if you're the hitchhiker, your job is to talk. It's like phone sex. You keep talking, and the longer they keep you in the car. Well, how how many, do you ever count how many people actually picked you up on that full trip? Oh, yeah, 21 rides, 9 days. 21 rides, okay, super, all right. It wasn't so bad, yeah. It was, I don't have to ever do it again, but, but certainly it was an experience that, uh, you know, my street cred went up. Uh, yeah, not a whole lot of people are willing to take, I mean, that, that 
kind of risky. You know, some people might say it's risky, but you pulled it off. Oh, you need adventure when you're in your 60s. You got to do. You can't be too safe. Uh, I'm going to write that down. All right, super. Well, off the record, how many times have you been approached by a film studio about doing a sequel of Pink Flamingos? I mean, if they can make three versions of A Star Is Born and eight saws, I mean, there got to be. There should be at least four or five Pink Flamingos by now. What do you think? Well, I tried to get the sequel made called Flamingos Forever, but it did come out as a book, and no one would ever make it. I have never been approached because it would be expensive, probably, the special effects, and it would be NC-17 rated, the one thing they never want. I have been paid to write three different sequels to Hairspray that never happened. One to the musical, one as a TV show, and one as a TV movie event, and none of them did happen, but I was paid quite well. Yes, you have to look into getting one of those kinds of deals in Hollywood. Getting paid to not make something is right up your alley. You could do that. Yeah, but you have to have an idea or a script that the studio suits think they might be interested in and don't want anyone else to like make it before they can decide. Well, you've spent a career coming up with ideas that no one would touch. I know. But maybe with the right studio head, you could get paid to not show the idea to other studios. Uh, Hollywood is an amazing place. Well, let me sit down with a pencil and paper and see what I can come up with. Right now, I have to finish up with John. Well, last question. I know you're a busy man. Um, So, John Waters, if you were emperor of the world, what would be your first decree? Well, I am emperor of the world. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if I was emperor of the world, well, I, I guess I would maybe do free hairdos. I would do movie stamps for foreign films because young people won't go see foreign films anymore. They say, I can't read subtitles. I can't you read? Are you a moron? You know? So um, I, I would do things like that. I, I, would, I would give out cultural stamps so people, no matter how much they were rich or poor, would do things that I wanted to do, like read more, go see foreign movies, or do things like that. It would be... It would be cultural exchange students. Oh, all right. That's pretty deep. I like that. All righty then. Let me remind everyone that you will be appearing in Seattle on December 2nd at the Neptune Theater with a John Waters Christmas. We really appreciate you uh, coming back on our show. Sure. Well, thank you. I'm glad to have me back. There you have it, Mr. John Waters. Thank you so much. North Korea. North Korea as a vacation spot will never get five stars. Like I'm pretty sure they don't have any cool bars or even any rental cars. You could say most of it looks like the surface of Mars, where people store a year's supply of food in jars. Germs are everywhere, so there's also a good chance to contact SARS. So let's all agree North Korea is a dump. But it's also a pretty smart real estate buy as a fixer-upper. You can thank me later. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. Hello, people. This is the Spud Goodman Show. We're shotgun kitchen, doing a sound check. We have a vocal check. Check, check, check. Kristen. Just check. 
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So, Calvin, what activities have you and Spud done together? I, I know most big brothers usually take their youngsters to the zoo or, or, you know, maybe the park to fly kites. Well, the first place Spud and I went to was a club. Yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't yeah. like close it down, but it was a pretty good time. Well, as a mother, I would think that you would not want to be drunk at the putt-putt. Yeah, I'm not much of a nightclub guy, but I have to say, it was a blast. I don't remember that many single women being in the places when I went, you know, went to the clubs. Uh, it was, you know, when I was your age, Calvin, I had a, you know, a little bit of a difficult time. I'm just going to say that. I just don't recall ever being asked to dance so many times in my life. So you dance too, Spud? I, yes. I thought you said you would never dance again. Well, you know, after that guy did a video of you with his phone on the dance floor a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, no, do not, no. Uh, it, it just sort of happened, you know. Calvin could only dance with like one at a time. Yeah. So I was asked more than a few times myself. And what was I going to say? No, thank you? I don't think so. And, and as far as that guy who posted that video of, of me dancing on Facebook, you know, it should have been taken down immediately like I demanded. Not a month later because the damage was already done. Be funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I will never, ever forgive Mark Zuckerberg for that ever. Okay, okay. but Ever. Be besides going clubbing, like what other activities have you guys done together? Like, like did you go camping? Nah, I don't camp. That's not really my thing. Yeah, I'm with Calvin. You know, camping is, is, camping is just so rural. I thought you loved to go camping, Spud. Well, people change, man. <laughs> All right. Did you guys go to the park and throw the ball around? You mean play hoops? I mean, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, Calvin took me to the park he plays at, and I have to say, for me, it was it was a little tougher competition than at the Y, you know, that I'm used to. I got in one game, but I mean, then I was asked to like step out. Man, those guys take it so serious. Game has changed, yo. I mean, I missed my first jumper, and I never saw the ball again. I mean, so, so I I kind of knew it was coming. I, I just I just stayed and watched Calvin play. He is a baller, man. Oh, uh, Calvin, what position do you play? Like halfback? What? Well, your position, or, or do you play them all? It's jack what you're saying. You know, you look real athletic, so maybe that's the case. I don't know, man. I just do my thing. Uh, can we change the subject now? And just oh, Okay, okay. I, I get it. What happens at the park stays at the park. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But why don't you just check and see if our next guest is ready to go? Can I talk to one of your guests when you are interviewing him? Well, I guess so. Do, what are you? Are you serious? Well, I'm just Spud, saying. And I, I've never been allowed to speak with the guests who call into the show. Shut the f*** up, Donnie. You've been adamant about this. Now you're going to allow just, Calvin this no, sacred I, privilege? Can I ask them anything, well, whatever I want? No. Well, you know, maybe we should wait until next week before you actually jump in when I'm interviewing a celebrity yeah. guest. Maybe just watch and get a feel for how I do my job. Who's on next week? I hope they're famous. I, I, I cannot believe what I'm hearing here. Heads are spinning. Uh, dude, just just put our next guest on, okay? Uh, all right. And, and and the board is telling me uh, your next guest, Sharon Gless, is holding for you, Spud. Okay, now this is a star. My wife and I loved Cagney and Lacey. I still don't know why they canceled it. I don't know why. It was a long time ago, okay? But it was the first TV show with two female detectives starring in it. And now that was a groundbreaking thing for sure. Back then with all those dudes with mustaches playing cops on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was 
always fascinating to me, women being detectives. The acting was so good that I was able to overcome and still find that idea believable. Mr. Caveman, women uh, have been detectives in police departments in real life for many, many years. Um... You do know they were also given the right to vote too, right? Oh, yeah. Very funny spud. No, I-, I was just saying it was startling at first. Now, I'm just fine watching shows like Madam Secretary, for example. It's a favorite in our home. Yeah, wow. I don't have nowhere to go and nothing to do. You know what I mean? I just go find my pigeons on the roof. Uh, who knew Gerald Holcomb was now a feminist? I had no idea. Anyway, just put Sharon on, please. Yo, right. Here she is. All right, please welcome actress Sharon Gless to the show. Thank you so much for coming on our program. Thank you, Spud. You're in Seattle, right? That's correct. Yeah. Well, let's discuss I your... ran away from home, and I lived at the Y in Seattle. Oh. For almost a year. Oh. Oh. Well, that's not yeah. so not in so super. In the 60s. In the 60s. Wow. Okay. Um, well, let on us... Sixth and Olive, I think. Sixth and Olive. Oh, yeah. Downtown. All right. Well, let us discuss. Yeah. Let us discuss your new TV show, a program that I won't lie scares me even to say the name out loud. The Exorcist that airs Fridays at nine, eight central on Fox. Describe your character, Chris McNeil. I certainly hope you don't even have to pretend to be possessed. Is that a serious business? Uh, no, I my character uh, so far is not possessed. Good. Um, Super. No, Chris McNeil was in the original movie. Was played by Ellen Burstyn. Right. I'm Reagan's mother, but it's forty years later. Oh, all right, super. So Reagan is older, she's older, and just last week it was divulged that Jeetna Davis, who is Reagan, she's gone into hiding for 40 years, run away from her mother, uh, now has a family of her own, and uh, here comes mother. All right. She finally finds her daughter, and there is a possession going on in the home of the granddaughter. So it's 40 years later, and the devil is back. Ooh. You know, I was I was raised Catholic by my Jewish mom. Parochial school was you know was cheaper than some of the other private schools, and we talked about exorcism I all the time. I went to Catholic school too. Yeah, well, you know that that word is scary. I just put it that way. It's just flat out damn scary. What what word? The exorcism, exorcism. or the yeah. devil? Exorcism and the devil. Yeah, the whole package. Yeah, it really happens. Though I mean, there are exorcisms done. I know, I know. Yeah. Well. Oh, Spud. What? We Mormons may not perform exorcisms, but we sure do believe in the devil. And other demons, too, of course. Okay, okay. Though, I've never witnessed an actual exorcism. I'm sure it is a difficult process, you know, trying to subdue Satan. He is a real ornery creature. Um, I don't think we need to get into theology here. All I'm saying to Sharon is this stuff makes me urinate on myself. I I know, but if you had faith, you would know that Satan, or the devil, will always be defeated. Good always triumphs over evil. Yeah, well, I look around the world, and are you sure about that one? Yeah. Anyway, let me get back to Sharon. Okay, I have returned. Sorry about that, Sharon. I've never been on a show like this, so it's fascinating to me. Well, with the advent of technology, I'm guessing that they no longer use pea soup for the vomiting scenes for with the exorcism. So they use like oatmeal now, or what are they? Do they actually? Is there a lot of vomiting? Well, I only saw one scene when I was watching the show. That not, not in my presence did anybody get sick. Okay. Um, but I saw one scene uh, with the child before. She physically changes that she's not feeling well. She doesn't know what's wrong. And uh, they used something I didn't ask. Right. I turned away. All right, I don't blame you. All right. Well, yeah. may, may I ask a Cagney and Lacey question? I know I got a buggy with this. So, um, you know, the show which you won two Emmys. You and Tyne Daly were so badass on that show. Feminist icons in that era. D- did you feel like you were kicking in the glass ceiling for women playing TV detectives? 
You know, the truth is um, that I don't think we knew at the time how powerful the show was going to be. You know, we were just locked up on a soundstage and we're shooting. We knew we had great material because yes. for the six years we were on the air, only one of us won the Emmy. That's Time right. Won four of them. It's fine. And I won two of them. But no women had that material in those days. Um, so we, we, we knew we were doing good stuff. Yes. We just, I don't think, realized. When you're shooting something, you don't think, boy, this will knock them out. You know, you just do your job. And then when we'd go out in public, you'd, we'd see the response to us. But it was, I think, a surprise. Well, have any of the many who have followed in your footsteps on TV ever thanked either of you? There are a lot of actresses out there that owe you guys that play TV detectives. Do you know, um, it's so interesting you should ask me that. Um, uh, the, the uh, Forgive me, the, the wonderful actress who's on the Brazilian Isles, Angie Harmon. Okay. Angie I met in a restaurant recently. And she asked me to do her 100th episode, which she was directing, and I did it. Um, but she said, you pay, I love this, she said, you paved the streets on which I walk. Well, that's right. What a, what a nice thing for you to say. She said, but you did. Because Angie's done two cop shows. Yeah, I mean, but you guys were the first really... Uh, she, got out of, she got out of her booth and worshipped on the floor. You know, I said, Angie, get up. As but she it should've. meant a lot to her, and, and it's it's fascinating for me because it was so many years ago that that even now it has that kind of impact. I was very touched. Heck yes. I mean, yeah, I, I, and there are many others that need to uh, say thank you. That's just my own opinion. So anyway, um, so you, you you were later in the cast of Queerest Folk on Showtime, which also was a trailblazing show. You know, we have Hal Sparks on our show from time to time. Great guy, great guy. But did you grasp then yeah. that the show would be as influential as it turned out to be? Did I know when I went into that what the impact would be? Yes. Yes. Now, I can't say that about Cagney and Lacey because it was so new. But um, when I read the script of, of uh, Queer as Folk, I called Showtime. I said, I want that part. Right. Okay. And Jerry Offsay, the head of Showtime, said, Jerry, you don't want to play this. There's no money. It's in Canada. I said, I want it. And he said, all right. I knew it was going to be a sensation. When I met the producers, I said, are you going to shoot what I read? Because, you know, a lot of times they'll write the script to get the money up, but that is what they're going to shoot. Right. And he, the producer said, we're shooting every frame. I said, then send me in, Coach, because I want to be part of this one. I just knew it would be, it would be life-changing. Well, it impacted a whole lot of people. For a lot of people. Not for me. I, right. Well, of course, it changed my life, too. But... It, a lot of people's lives were saved because of that show. Yes, yes. The mail we got, you know, the suicides that were prevented because, you know, young boys saw themselves on the air and it was okay. They weren't alone, you know. Yes. Well, um, on a, on a different note, let me close That was it. fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you, think, did you think our interview was going to turn like that? No, but well, let me close with this, okay? It's my required <laughs> cliche question. Sharon Glass, what has been your most memorable moment to this point? Oh, gosh. I, I can't. I, I, I've had so many wonderful moments in my life. I can't think of... I can't, I, I, 
if I if I'd given birth to a child, I suppose that everybody says that's a very big thing, but I didn't. Um, I um, I, this will seem weird to you. Not okay? to me. Not to me. A very memorable moment in my life was uh, being part of the death of my mother. It was a privilege. It was a privilege to go on that journey with her and to help her. Yes. Help her go. I see. Because she'd raised me and, and was a fantastic mom and just brought nothing but life to me, you know? And that's one of my most memorable moments is being there and helping her go. Wow. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. I really appreciate that. Um, okay, well. That's um, fun, huh? Yeah. But, it, but, it, but, but I got to give back. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I want to. Thank you very much for coming on our program. No, I'm, I mean that. Um, and I want to remind everyone that you are now appearing on the Fox series, The Exorcist, airing Fridays at 9, 8 Central. Yeah, uh, sir, uh, this, this meant a lot to me that you took the time to call into the show, okay? Oh, thank you. You made it fun for me. Thanks, bud. All right. This is Sharon Gless. For a genuine musical treat, Tune in to the, the Spud Goodman, Goodman Show, Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please greet our musical guest. It's Brian Roaring and Lee Tillman from Prelude to a Pistol. Now, guys, I have to ask off the record, are you both members of the NRA? I have not had my interns do a pat-down or anything. <laughs> I hope no one's packing because I tend to be a little annoying in these interviews. It's just a heads up. Absolutely Maybe not too. packing. You're clean? All right, clean. super. <laughs> All right. So anybody in particular that has uh, shaped the band's sound, uh, any big influence at all? Uh, we've got a lot heavier since uh, we've gone through some changes in the lineup here, and we've gotten a little heavier. Um, Motorhead, uh, Black Sabbath, kind of Led zeppelin kind of stuff there. Yeah. So, which is kind of funny because I actually listen to a lot of jazz and reggae and stuff like that. So. Hmm. <laughs> well, um, what's the band's position on relativity? A theory or a flat-out fact? Um, it's a fact. It's a total fact. Yeah, You're yeah. all in? Yeah. yeah. For sure. All right. That's for the record. <laughs> Super. So what would be the most surprising uh, band that you guys secretly dig? Any Nickelback or non, uh, four non-blonde fans in I the got, band? I got a good one. It won't go I'll any further. Brian answer I, I, lo I love everybody. Uh, being a musician myself, not only am I a vocalist, a drummer, guitar player, uh, I come from a background of country musicians, uh, three decades, three generations of uh, country musicians from wow. Tennessee and whatnot. So I, I, I kind of love everything, but uh, so I don't I don't dislike anything uh, just because I know how you know difficult it can be to write music, and I I'm just a music lover, so I, there's nothing that I don't like. So all right, super. Katy Perry. That we used to I was in a band. We used to call it the Ace of Bass Awards. <laughs> uh, Ace of Bass. Everybody always said they hated it, but when it came on the radio, everybody sang along to it. Right. Katy Perry. Uh, the song California Girls. I start singing along <laughs> to it and I get into it. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> that I is mean, my Ace of Bass Award. The videos, Katy Perry. The videos aren't bad either. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I have my own list, but there's no way I'd ever put it out on the air. But all right. Well, so what's the name of the next song? Take everything from me. Yeah, pretty All right. much about a woman that took everything from me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's All right. how you want to put it. Okay. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Take everything from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hello, this is Alan Parsons from the Alan Parsons Project. You're listening to the Spud Goodman Project today. Spud. Yeah. Your last guest, Anthony Edwards, is on the line. Do you want to take the call now? Uh, well, when would you suggest I take it? Later tonight when I get home? No, no. I, then we would have dead air. You, you should take yeah. Anthony's call now and not wait until later, I would say. Right answer. Okay. Now, are you going to ask Anthony about his time on ER? Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Boy, there were a lot of stars on that show. True, yeah. I should probably ask him at least one question about ER and mm -hmm. Top Gun for sure. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that movie. Spud, his character met an unfortunate fate in that one. Maybe you should avoid that topic. Uh, let me decide what I'm going to ask Anthony. He's a, a veteran of Hollywood. I'm sure he can handle any question thrown his way. And, and you do know he didn't really crash his plane, okay? It was just a movie, okay? Just put him on. Yeah, I know. Here he is. Please say hello to actor, director, Anthony Edwards. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks very much. Yep. You have a new movie being released tomorrow at theaters nationwide that you directed, My Dead Boyfriend. It is also being released on Video On Demand, right? It is. It's uh, it's kind of a great way that we can get, you know, this is a small romantic uh, comedy that's, uh, you know, probably would have been hard to make few years ago because uh, we didn't have the way to get movies out so easily with uh, video on demand and, you know, limited release. Super. Well, the cast includes Heather Graham, John Corbett, Gina Gershon, who is one of my favorites, that is, that's, that's for the record, and Griffin mm -hmm. Dunn. Uh, give us the rundown on the storyline. So it's about, uh, Heather Graham plays uh, a woman who's in her early 30s who is, her life has just gone nowhere. Um, she's, uh, she's kind of unhappy. She's uh, emotionally, uh, she's not creatively fulfilled. She's living in the East Village and she's drinking too much. And her deadbeat boyfriend of the last six months, uh, when she comes home from work, when the movie starts, is dead. And so in trying to figure out who this guy was, she realizes he's not who he thought he was. And in the same way, she's realizing uh, about who she is. And so it's kind of this, it's a, it's a romantic comedy that is just set in a world that I'd never seen before because it was written by a guy who told the story from a really original point of view. Nice, super. Well, Anthony, if you had a dollar for every time someone at, say, the mall or a ball game still yells out, hey, Goose, what's up? Would you be wealthier than Donald Trump, like have a few actual dollars in the bank, you know? Because Top Gun's always going to be with <laughs> yeah. you, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that, that is definitely a movie that has lasted, you know, uh, it's, uh, it kind of keeps coming back and, and uh, you know, it means a lot. And now all of a sudden there's a whole other, you know, there's these next generations that's coming, you know, where people are coming up to you and saying, you know, my grandmother loved that movie, you know. <laughs> and so, um, Boy, that makes me feel uh, old. It's, yes. it's fun. I'm actually, a, you know, I'm a, I'm a pilot now and uh, I actually have the fun of, 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 of flying a small plane and you talk to air traffic control and when they, they find out who it is, they... I get a lot of good quotes from the air traffic control. Well, I bet you do. Yeah, I read you were a pilot, so I, I was wondering, do you do a lot of barrel rolls and other stuff up there, just for the heck of it? <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little more conservative than that. Okay, all right, super. Um, what do, what do yeah. you... What no, do you... I mean, look, what happened was, you know, I, I flew with a really good-looking guy, and he killed me. So what I decided is I'm going to actually take over the controls and try and stay alive. 
Yeah, it's pro- career-wise, that's probably a much better call. Yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you prefer these days, acting or directing? I would think it'd be much more fun to order people around as a director because you're kind of a principal, sheriff, and president all in one. Um, it is. It's definitely, I think, the most fun job on, on a set because you uh, not only do you get to order people around, you get to work with really you know, creative people. And for me, it's really about collaborating with, with the art directors and DPs and actors. And, and, you know, you, you get that thing of being on a team and, 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 and leading it through a, you know, through a mission to get through that day and get as much as you can in the can as possible. All right, super. Now, away from showbiz, I got to touch on this one. Uh, you've been quite active with uh, nonprofit activities. Now, Shoe for Africa mm-hmm. is one, and you're the chairman of it. Share with our listeners uh, what this organization does. Well, what Shoe for Africa did most remarkably in the last eight years is we raised money and we built the first public children's hospital in sub-Saharan Africa. So, you know, we we just take health. You know, we complain about Obamacare and complain about whatever yeah. health care we have. You know, most of the world doesn't have any form of health care at right? all. Yes. And, um, you know, we we were successful in doing that. And it kind of came out of the spirit of, of runners. Um, you know, we raised a lot of money running marathons all around the country. And um, so I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm proud of that. I bet you are. That's, that sounds like a fantastic organization. Where can our listeners uh, look it up or check it out? Uh, what's the website? They can uh, shoeforafrica.org. Um, and it's shoe, the number four, and africa.org. And, uh, our, our leader now, Toby Tanzers, uh, he's, he's raising money because he, he wants to now add a cancer ward to uh, uh, the, the already now existing children's hospital. So Very good cool. stuff happening. Very cool. All right, Anthony, let me close with this. Yeah. Uh, what was your most memorable moment on the ER set, the long-running NBC series that you co-starred in from 94 to 2002 and came back for a final year in 2008? Yeah, I, you know... Um, to me, the, the, the kind of the moments I never forget were the, like doing that pilot and really feeling like I had no idea where we were. You know, everything was so foreign. All of these, you know, all of the uh, these uh, tools, equipment, what we were doing as doctors, and it just felt like this is going to be impossible to do. And the kind of combination of that feeling and then where it ended up, where we really just got a really amazing machine going and were able to tell those stories for that many years. After playing a doctor for so long, I was just curious if you ever like hadn't bought any like cadavers or anything in your basement at home and just operated just for fun or anything like that. Not, not. <laughs> you weren't that method, huh? No, no, I've never been able to do that. But I am definitely a, a good person to uh, to be around if you are hurt to walk you into an emergency room because there's there's generally a couple people in there who are happy to have Doctor Green in their emergency room, so I can help you get some good service. All right, well that's for the record. Okay. Excuse me, Spud. What? What? Can I ask, are you going to eat that last piece of pizza that one of the interns brought into the show? The one right there? Yeah, yeah. It's It's been sitting there in front of you since we started the show. And I was wondering, if you weren't going to eat it, uh, I wouldn't mind having it. That, that is, if you don't mind. I mean, well, if, if I going... remember correctly, you already had your two pieces before the show. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I was counting your food intake, but am I correct in saying you already had your share? Yeah, well... <laughs> Yes, I did already eat the two pieces of Canadian bacon and pineapple I was given. Yes, you did. As you know, Domino's cuts their slices smaller than most places, so I really consider those two to be more accurately like one and a half pieces. Fine, eat the last freaking slice, and I'll just have to go home hungry and make myself something to eat. Go ahead. 
Let me say again, the new movie you directed, My Dead Boyfriend, is now available on video on demand, so people need to go check it out. Yeah, well, I hope people, you know, just get lost in a, a nice romantic comedy and, and, you know, watch it on video on demand and, and take a break. Hey, we really appreciate you taking the time to call into the show. Thanks a lot, man. Mr. Anthony Edwards. My, how time flies. Hey, how am I doing? Should I laugh more? Or am I about right? I mean, you're, you're, you're doing just fine, Aunt Dorothy. Maybe just a little more enthusiasm, though, when, when I say something really hilarious? I don't think it's going to happen. Ace, but before we wrap this show up, do you think I, too, might be able to participate in your guest interviews? It's been a dream of mine to actually be part of your conversations with all those big Hollywood stars. Hell will freeze over. Well, I was actually going to ask if you maybe wanted to, you know, take a few weeks off. You know, I, I know having the two jobs... The thing, you know, that you got, it must be draining. A break might be just what you need right now. But how could you do the show without a co-host? It is an essential component of any talk show. I know, You have admitted this to me. Yeah. Like that night where you were throwing up after drinking all those little glasses you had of that Jaeger monster. Jaegermeister. Yeah, way too many shots that night, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I never want to smell Jaegermeister again. But, yeah. I, but I told Calvin here that... That he could, you know, sit in as co-host, okay, just just for a couple weeks, so he can put it down on his resume, you know, that he was that he was a radio talk show co-host, because it's gonna really help him out in life, you know, open up some doors for him. Wait, are you serious? If I could finally get the opportunity to interview celebrity guests, I could put that on my demo reel and have something impressive yeah, to I, send I, out I, to radio I, stations. I know. It's not a secret, but I someday want my own show. We have discussed this on many oh, right, occasions. Right. But we can talk about that further in a couple weeks from now. You know, when you're refreshed and rested, you know, you definitely need to take some time off. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. What? I, I'm fresh right now. Very fresh. Extremely fresh, Spud. So no, no need for any time off. I live for this job. And of course, also my lead position at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum, too. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Uh, I don't want to minimize that position. Right. Can I ask them about yeah. their cars and stuff? Like how much money they made on a movie? Or even if they have a sex tape out? No, probably not, uh, Calvin. You know, If we do this, I should probably sit down with you and go over like... The do's and the don'ts of this radio talk show gig, you sort of have to be well, careful about what you ask guests or, or, mm. or you'll have no one to interview. You know, private stuff is off limits pretty much. So how come it's okay for TMZ and stuff on the internet? <laughs> no, not now. Not now, Aunt Dorothy. No, no. So the stuff like that you see and hear about stars, that does not come from interviews on TV and radio. They don't say anything on our shows like that. When I came back from the hospital, the first thing I did was go look at my vag in the mirror. It looks better looking than before. So celebrities wouldn't toss out personal information on the air. That's just that just doesn't who happen. Who really wants to talk about boring stuff? Okay, Spud, I do not believe you can force me to take two weeks off if I don't want to. We need to discuss this further at next week's staff meeting. And, uh... I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? I'm going to be filing a formal complaint with our executive producer, Lori. Fine, if you want to be a little I'm serious. Baby. I mean, Calvin, okay, you may have to wait just a little bit, you know, before you can actually sit in with me as, as a co-host. It's going to happen. Just, just give me some time with this. For real? That's weak. How long? I, I don't really know. But, tell you what. 
you can have a pizza party at my place this weekend, mm. but let, let's just limit it to like five friends. Five, and it only Come makes on. common sense. Yeah. Be, how, oh, how many are you thinking about? How about fifteen? Man, Whoa. that's a lot of pizza. That is. But okay, if we went with Domino's, because I got a bunch of coupons, I could probably make it work. But anyway, right now I need to close the show, so let me take care of business. You, you know, you're doing the right things, but he is not qualified. You know I would love to drop by the pizza party. Um, um, you suck! You just let me know when that is, and yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll get back to you. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye! Once again, here are Brian Roaring and Lee Tillman from Prelude to a Pistol. Why stick around for the good times, baby And fly away for the bad Take every moment like it's your last And baby, take my hand Cause we're all just drinking And I'm your number one fan So take us to the grave, my dear Make me a happy man Cause I don't know what you've been thinking Time don't stop, it keeps ticking What makes me feel like I cannot, cannot get away And I say, hold my hand for a little while Let me see that beautiful smile Roses laid all across the bed That's you, that's what I said Wanna say that's what I said, it's in your head I don't know if I could be going a little crazy Wasn't too that long ago you said you'd have my baby Cause I know that you love me and I know I love you too that's why everything, it's all, it's all because of you And I say, hold my hand for a little while Let me see that beautiful smile Roses laid all across the past for you That's what I said Vendetta's got me seeing red 
Everything you lost, it's all, it's all inside your head. The Spud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Production assistants Brian Martin and Trent Patello. Video director T.J. Pite. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Derek Schneider, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.